early on the morning of September the 29th, 1982, the way we take medicine in this country changed. Outside Chicago, there was a little girl named Mary Kellerman who woke up that morning with a sore throat and a runny nose. And her parents, as any parent would do, gave her one extra strength Tylenol. By 7 o'clock that morning, Mary Kellerman died. The medicine had been laced with potassium cyanide. That same day, not far away, Adam Janice of Arlington Heights, Illinois, died of what everybody thought was a massive heart attack. Come to find out, he too had taken one extra strength Tylenol that happened to be laced with potassium cyanide. His family, stricken by grief, his brother and sister came to the house, got a headache from crying. As you know, that will happen when you have grief. They also took one extra strength Tylenol. Not knowing it too was laced with potassium cyanide. One of them died before the end of the day. The next one died at the end of the day. Did you know that that person that did that has never been caught? But from that day forward, from that time forward, companies who make medicine made sure that those bottles have a protective seal so that it shouldn't be tampered with, or if it has been tampered with, if it is compromised, you will know it, and if it is compromised, you should throw it away, you shouldn't take it. A similar problem has happened in the church today. We have a lot of people in our churches whose commitment to the Lord has been compromised, and because of it, they can no longer be used. God can't use you if your commitment is compromised. The title of the message today is, Are You Compromised or Are You Committed? And we're going to look at one man and his example, the example that he set in the Bible. His name was Jehonadab. He first appears in the book of 2 Kings as Jehu, a man named Jehu, is on mission with God to <clears throat> wipe out the worshipers of the false god Baal. This is in the time of Ahab and Jezebel, and compromise has become epidemic among the people of God. Jehu is furiously driving his chariot, and along the road he sees Jehonadab standing beside the road, and he raises a question to him about his own commitment. He said in 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 15, he saluted him and said to him, is thy heart right as my heart is right with thy heart? And Jehonadab was a committed man. And he could look Jehu in the eye and say, it is. There is the question. How would you answer it today if you were asked of it? But no, no, not only did Jehu require him to confirm his commitment or to declare his commitment. He required him to demonstrate that commitment. He said, Jehu did to Jehonadab as he stood behind, beside the road, Jehu in his chariot on mission with God 
to go and destroy all the worshipers of Baal. He said, if it be so, get in this chariot with me and go with me and see my zeal for the Lord. Jehonadab got in the chariot. And it became his assignment on that day what they were going to do. Jehu declared a worship service to, for the false god Baal. Now he did this in trickery. He said, we want all the people who, who love Baal, who want to worship Baal, who's, who are committed to Baal, have any interest in worshiping Baal, we want you to come to this great worship service. We're going to offer a sacrifice to honor the false god Baal. And people came from everywhere because in uh, the land in that day where God's people lived, many of them were compromised, many of them uh, worshipped God on one hand and they worshipped Baal on the other. Jehonadab's assignment was to go through that crowd and see if in that crowd there were any worshippers of God who had mingled themselves with the worshippers of Baal. Why would anyone who worshipped God come to a worship service for Baal? They would not have unless they had been compromised. And of course, in this particular time in history, what God was doing is he was executing judgment on all those who were compromised. He was sending judgment on his people whose commitment was compromised. Now, what we want to do today is we want to talk about Jehonadab, this man standing beside the road, this man who was asked, is your heart right as my heart is right with thy heart. This man who could look another man square in the eye and declare his commitment and demonstrate his commitment. We want to consider the power of one man's commitment. This is point one. Jehonadab was the son of Rechab. The Bible says that he was so committed to the Lord that he passed down that commitment to his children. He encouraged his children, and their children after them to demonstrate their commitment. Now, his descendants, because he was the son of Rechab, became known as the Rechabites. And we're going to talk about them from the 35th chapter of the book of Jeremiah, and we're going to eventually get to chapter 35 of Jeremiah. These Rechabites, these descendants of Jonadab, had the following commitments. Jonadab asked them to keep these commitments and not to compromise them under any reason. Here's the first one. They were to drink no wine. The second one was they were to remain nomads with no particular home. They were to build no house. Rather, like Abraham of old, they were to dwell in tents. Never build a house. Be nomads, never have a city in which to dwell, drink no wine, and then ultimately they were to own no property and to plant no crops. They were, in other words, to live in complete dependence on God. Those were the commitments that they were asked to make by their father, Jonadab. This was one man's commitment. He refused to compromise because he had seen what compromise looked like among God's people, so he asked his children and their children after them to maintain their commitments to the Lord. So the conviction of Jonadab became the conviction of his sons and his grandsons 
and all the generations after. So what I'd like you to see is the power of one man's commitment when one person makes a stand. I've always said to parents, who, and I would say to any parent today, who makes church secondary to sports and chooses to allow your children to be involved in sports on Sunday rather than being in church on Sunday. All it takes is one parent who will be committed enough to say, not my child. My child will be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. We will make that commitment and we will keep that commitment. Let me show you the power of one man's commitment. Next, you will see that this commitment of one man spread and it became a community covenant. And their commitment to that covenant, all these generations that followed, their commitment to that covenant is what brings them to our attention. Uh, and so we're, we're going to come to our main text in a moment. But I have to set up the conditions of what happened. Hundreds of years later, after the time of Jonadab, the city of Jerusalem was under the judgment of God. The Babylonian army surrounded the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem was about to fall because God's people were no longer living separated lives. They had become compromised and not committed. They may have laid claim that their hearts were right, but the coming judgment of God was about to tell a different story. Outside the city lived all these Rechabites. They couldn't live in the city. They lived in tents. They didn't have houses. They didn't drink wine. They didn't plant crops. They lived in complete dependence on God. But because of the siege of Jerusalem, because Nebuchadnezzar with his army surrounded the city, it forced these wandering nomadic Rechabites to move into Jerusalem and to live in tents in the street. So here are all these people in Jerusalem looking at these Rechabites living in their tents, not drinking wine, living in complete dependence on God. Now, we're not talking so much about the Jews in Jerusalem at the time of Jeremiah as we are the church, because today we're talking about how we ought to be living, what our commitments ought to be, what have been the examples set for us. What kind of church do you go to? Can anybody tell me? There's not anybody that knows what kind of church this is. What kind of church is it? Baptist? Did you say Baptist? It is a Baptist church. Thank you, Braden. I'm glad you know. He's right. It is a Baptist church. What do you know about Baptist? Do you know about Baptist and our commitments? What do we believe as Baptists? What do we stand for as Baptists? Well, you know, there was a group <clears throat> during the Reformation who decided that the Catholic Church had become compromised. Their doctrines had become compromised. Their commitments had become compromised, and it just wasn't pure enough. And so there was a group that separated from the Catholic Church, and they became known as the Puritans. But then there was a group that separated from the Puritans because they felt the Puritans were more about tradition than about the Word of God. And so 
they became Puritan separatists, and later they were just called separatists, and later they were just called Baptists because they insisted on certain commitments. One of them was believers' baptisms. But these commitments that they insisted on later developed into confessions and covenants. One of the confessions was the New Hampshire Confession of 1833, written by J. Newton Brown. You don't know much about that, but one of J. Newton Brown's documents you do know about, it was called the Church Covenant. And it was adopted by many Baptist churches across the land. You used to be able to find it when you'd walk into a church. It'd be hanging on the wall in a big frame. I had it in one of my churches hanging on the wall. And sometimes it was in the back of the hymnal. And sometimes it was in the Constitution. Although in some churches, parts of it were conveniently edited out. Because the people wanted to compromise in those areas. You know what the commitments were of Baptists in those days? What they said, these are the things we're going to stand for. These are the things we're going to live by. This is the way we're going to live so that we can make a difference in our world. So that God will bless us because God blesses the committed and he can't use, he won't use the compromised. They said, because we have joined ourselves together having been led by the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God and on our profession of faith in Him, we pledge these things to, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, to walk together in Christian love and strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and its spirituality and to sustain its worship, ordinances, disciplines, and doctrines, to cheerfully contribute regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. They were great commissioned Baptists even then. We engaged to maintain family and secret devotions. In other words, they didn't just read the Bible at church, they read the Bible at home. We pledged to religiously educate our children. They didn't let the state be the nannies of their children. They taught their children from the word of God and they taught their children to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements and in our deportment, to avoid tattling, backbiting and excessive anger, to abstain from the sale and use of intoxicating drinks as a beverage. That's one that's carefully edited out of some church constitutions. To be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior, to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember one another in prayer, to be courteous, to reconcile any relationship that is broken. Moreover, we engage that when we move from one church to another, or when we move from one place to another, we will unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant. In other words, they made commitments. They lived by those commitments. Because they believed God blessed the committed and he couldn't bless and he wouldn't bless the compromise. I wonder what you believe about those things. Are there any commitments that you ought to have? Is there anything that you ought to stand for? Is there anything in this book that you ought to believe and not only say you believe it, but live by it? Is thy heart right? Jehu said to Jehonadab, as my heart is with thy heart. And Jehu could look him in the eye and say, 
it is. I wonder if there's a man here or a woman here who could look anyone else in the eye and say, I am true to my covenants and I am true to my commitments. I am committed and not compromised. Remember, Jehonadab saw among those who were compromised in the world of his day, later went back to his own people and said, we will not live this way. My sons will not live this way. My sons will live committed lives and their sons after them and their sons after them. And here are our commitments. They wrote them down. They pledged to them and they wouldn't compromise for anything in the world. Are you committed or are you compromised? Be careful how you answer that question because the Lord will test your commitment. And we see how he tested the commitment of these descendants of Jonadab and how they became examples to others. In the 35th chapter of Jeremiah, we finally come to our scripture. Verse 1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak to them and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Jeremiah had to scratch his head about that. He said, Lord, you know, these Rechabites, they, they don't cotton to drinking wine. You understand that language? They, they don't like that. They, they don't believe in that. But the Lord said, bring them in here and give them wine. Well, I'll stop reading right there. We won't read all the long names. What was happening in this story? Well, it was not in God's design to tempt the Rechabites, these descendants of Jonadab, as he's called in this story, in the book of Jeremiah. It was his intention to use them as an example, to use them as an illustration, to use them as a picture of the difference between commitment and compromise. Verse 5, Jeremiah said, Then I set before the men of the house of the Rechabites pitchers full of wine and cups. And I said to them, Drink wine. But they said, We will not drink wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall not drink wine. You are your sons forever. You shall not build a house, and you shall not sow seed, and you shall not plant a vineyard or own one, but in tents you shall dwell all your days, that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, and all that he commanded us not to drink wine. We, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in, and we do not have vineyard or field or seed. We have only dwelt in tents and have obeyed all according to that Jonadab our father commanded us. They remained committed, though given the opportunity to compromise. Though put in a situation where they could have easily compromised, they did not. They kept their commitments. What had been one man's conviction became a community covenant. Here's God's word to the compromised, verse 12. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction by listening to my words, declares the Lord? 
the words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are observed. They do not drink wine to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. But I have spoken to you again and again, and you have not listened to me. Also, I have sent to you all the prophets, the servants, my servants, the prophets, sending them again and again, saying, Turn now every man from his evil way and amend your deeds, and do not go after other gods to worship them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and to your fathers. But you have not inclined your ear or listened to me. Indeed, the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have observed the command of their father, which he commanded them. But this people has not listened to me. Therefore, says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing on Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I pronounced against them because I spoke to them and they did not listen. I have called to them, but they did not answer. Now, don't tell me that you can't identify with those words because this is not the first time that you've heard the word of the Lord. This is not the first time that you've heard God say something to you. This is not the first time that you've had the Holy Spirit look you in the eye and say, Is your heart right as my heart is right with thy heart? And you weren't able to answer in the affirmative because you knew you were compromised and not committed. Let me say to you that true Baptists have always been Rechabites, wanting to stand apart from our culture by our conduct, our confessions, and by our commitments. But so many people in the church today have lost their witness. They're compromised and not committed, and God can't use them, and the church can't use them. Do you realize the church can't use you if you're compromised and not committed? What do you mean, Brother Eddie? Well, I mean so many of you are compromised because your social media page shows you to be compromised and not committed. You put it out there for the world to see. Not only so, your church attendance shows you to be compromised and not committed. Your lifestyle shows you to be compromised and not committed. Even the pledges that you once made, perhaps in secret, to the Lord, you said, Lord, I will do this, but you didn't do it. And the Lord knows you to be compromised and not committed. So that today when the Holy Spirit looks at you and says, Is your heart right with my heart the way my heart is right with thine? You cannot, as Jehonadab say, it is. Finally, I would have you to know that God blesses the committed and not the compromised. Look at verse 18, chapter 35. Then Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab your father and kept his commands, done according to all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not lack a man to stand before me always. Their faithfulness was not only noticed by the world around them, their faithfulness was noticed by God and rewarded by God, even you, thousands of years later, are impacted by the testimony of their faithfulness. I want to show you how much the church has compromised. We used to talk about Baptists back in the 
1500s. Well, they weren't Baptist in the 1500s. In the Reformation, we talked about how the Catholic Church was compromised. Now we need to look in the mirror and see how we are compromised. Did you know that even in 1743, the early Methodist, led by John Wesley, urged that pre- that, and preached that buying, selling, and drinking alcohol was an evil to be avoided, and early Methodists stood against the manufacture, purchase, and sale of alcohol at its annual general conferences, and of course Methodists have fallen from that commitment, haven't they, like a lot of Baptists have, as they've fallen from a lot of other commitments, things they're no longer committed to, pieces of the word that they conveniently edited out of their documents and constitutions and covenants, don't think it won't happen to you. Are you committed? Are you compromised? What does God want you to be? This happens in little ways, by the way. It doesn't happen in great big swaths of suddenly I'm not who God wants me to be. As somebody said, collapse in the Christian life is never a blowout. It's almost always a slow leak. It's a little bitty compromise somewhere. I'll make a little bitty compromise here and a little bitty compromise here. And the next thing you know, I'm not committed at all. I've lost my commitment to God. I've lost my commitment to the church. And you know something about it? You take a capsule out of the compromise bottle and you give it to your children. And you say, it's okay, take it. It's a little compromised. You would never do that with medicine. But you would do that with something so precious as your faith. Let's pray.